afternoon. I am Erica Wesley, the Executive Director of the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the January 2024 episode of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly show broadcasted to you on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across Fairfield County. The mission of the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County is to support cultural organizations, artists, and creative businesses by providing unified marketing, capacity building, professional development, and advocacy. The spotlight on arts and culture is one way that we actualize the mission, bringing you voices in the community who can lend perspective and engage in critical conversations to help us better understand the role that arts and culture play in all of our communities. Happy New Year. We're launching a new initiative with this radio show, and my goal is to bring us a bit closer to what partnerships can look like between resident leaders, creatives, and municipalities. Each quarter for the rest of 2024, we will have a discussion with a city leader to discuss arts and culture and the ways that artists and residents can work collaboratively with municipalities to strengthen arts while cultivating culture. And so today we're going to start that conversation in a place that I call home. It's also the home of WPKN. It's the home of the Bijou Theater, and it's the home of Skateport, murals that can be seen from 95 North and South. And it's a community that has historically been known to be creative. But before we get into the details and before we chat with our guests, I want to ground our conversation in a concept and also a definition. Project for Public Art discusses placemaking as an inspiration to people who collectively reimagine and reinvent public spaces as the heart of every community. They say that placemaking refers to strengthening the connection between people and the places they share and the collaborative process by which we can shape our public realm to maximize shared value. When I think of placemaking, collective community creativity and maximizing shared value, I think of the artistic vibrancy happening right now in Bridgeport, Connecticut. A few months ago, when I accepted the role of executive director, I met artists and creatives and even everyday residents from other cities and towns in our regions who shared their enthusiasm for the innovative, creative culture bubbling in Bridgeport. So today I want to welcome to our show the mayor, Joe Gannam himself, to discuss with us arts and culture and how his administration has invested in the arts and the role that Bridgeport can have within the county as a hub for creatives. Welcome to the show, Mr. Mayor. How are you? Erica, thank you for having me. I'm going to start, too. Again, thank you for having me. Um, It is my pleasure my honor to join you and to wish a happy new year to you and all the listeners, wherever they may be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad they're tuning in um, to the show in general, but to this show 
uh, in particular. So uh, again, it's my pleasure to join you and thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for accepting the offer. I think for many of our listeners, they're used to hearing directly from the creative community. So it's a little bit of a pivot, but a good one, I think. Um, and, and hopefully one that can inspire other folks to think critically about um, different voices that are absolutely welcome in our creative space. So again, thank you so much. Well, for I think I here. fit into the, uh, maybe not the artistic community because I'm not that great of an artist. I know you're going to ask me something about that. So we'll play with that a little bit. But creatively Mm -hmm. or creativity, um, I will say at times, I think it's an integral part of of my job Mm -hmm. in trying to lead balance uh, the city in, you know, with a great administration and great people. So uh, some creativity there, but not, uh, not, not uh, anything that I could hang my hat on in the artistic world. I mean, I'm not even sure I can sing or, or, or dance on a personal. <laughs> no, never me, never mind create something on canvas or what we've seen in murals, et cetera, around the city. So, or musically. So thank you for having me, despite my shortcomings and no, few strengths. You are welcome. You know, it's funny because I tell people all the time, I believe every person is an artist. Um, and I think that there's an art to everything. So I started a newsletter actually last year and it was called at the intersection between art and justice. And I think most of us are kind of at that intersection. So we're rendering creativity. We're rendering, um, artistic approach to everything. And maybe that's politics, maybe that's um, transportation, development. And then for some of us, I'm a literary artist, so I tend to have my way around words. So I think everyone has something, but we will get into that. So I don't want to get too no, far. It's great. And, and, and by the way, what you're saying, whether it's literary, being able to write, uh, whether it's murals themselves or the purest form of expression and visually demonstrating, I think, art. A lot of us, I think when we talk about Bridgeport is as a center, and we could the, the talk about the degree of as being an, the or a art and cultural center for the county or for the state. Um, that's maybe what people participating in attending and artists from abroad. But the, the, the homegrown, if you will, mm-hmm. or even maybe people that have moved into the city um, have played such a critical role in, in, in showing off the best uh, of themselves and now making Brit- the, that the best part of Bridgeport. So I look forward to talking about that as well. Awesome. Me too. Um, so let's talk with start talking about the history of Bridgeport. Um, you know, growing up in this city, I, I always knew of the intense industrial um, economy that was here. And so I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you think is contributing to a creative surge kind of as a backdrop to the industries around, you know, bearing arms and other types of factories. It seems in some ways different, but I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you think is um, giving this moment a creative surge in the city in spite of its industrial background. Well, kind of just using the word creative uh, background again, just to kind of pivot out. Um, maybe a little bit too narrowly as I initially described, but I think you'll appreciate it. Bridgeport's always had a a foundation, if you will, in um, some type of creativity. I want to say capturing of of uh, let's say arts in general, entertainment. I think you even mentioned here. If you look back, uh, the Barnum S, the P.T. Barnum element of Bridgeport's um, place in, in that whole world, the, the greatest show on earth, the, mm-hmm. uh, the three rings, uh, PT Barnum was the former, a former, uh, actual mayor of the city of Bridgeport. Not that that 
he didn't use that role to enhance uh, his his entertainment role or Bridgeport as an arts or, and creative. But you know, it's just something that's there that we associate mm-hmm. with the Barnum Museum downtown. You know, contains all those treasures of the history. We know that's even when I uh, was kicking the tires on another theme of revitalization in the city um, when we built the um, arena, which we all know is the uh, down right next to the out there amphitheater, the the indoor arena. Mm-hmm. We launched it. Again, hearkening back to uh, the circus, coming back to Bridgeport and so on. So there's that element of it. But I think what you're touching on is probably the more um, somewhat textbook uh, description and reality of Bridgeport's history as an industrial um, center, an industrial capital um, with with manufacturing and manufacturing jobs and producing made in the USA. And there's still stamps on a lot of old uh, Bridgeport machine, literally. And you can go to different places. And those were some of the best machines. And uh, Singer uh, sewing machines were mm-hmm. Bridgeport produced. I mean, this was the home. Uh, we were home to one of the largest General Electric GE factories. Um, and most of these, Remington, um, which we could talk about two existing sites and past sites. So, yes, that history uh, prominently described now and at its time in in our country's history. As you said, it was munitions, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, that fueled, I think they called us the arsenal mm-hmm. of, of democracy because of the commitment uh, that were made by the manufacturing industry in Bridgeport and elsewhere. So, um, so that's all there. I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is even through all that, and I think it's, it's blossomed uh, exponentially um, over the past number of years, and we can pick a time frame, uh, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, I'd go back probably 20 plus, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why, that there has been an increase of involvement, citizen involvement. Right. And I will take you know a, a role in leadership by the city in encouraging, supporting, and creating the physical centers and places where um, this could be allowed to, and, and, and it's not only supported, enhanced, encouraged, and rewarded as we get rewarded by some of the results, mm-hmm. um, the murals, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. You know, there is um, a report out that is um, discussing some of the value that arts and culture has. It's a national report that's been published by Americans for the Arts. And so we played a role as an organization in collecting some of that data from nonprofit organizations that are art institutions across the county. And so looking at the Fairfield County data, it's really proving that there is an economy for the arts. And it's something that excites me, not just as a nonprofit leader, but also as a resident um, of the city, because I think in Bridgeport right now, we're kind of seeing the city turn a corner in in the aspect that the arts and the culture industry is beginning to generate some revenue. And that's why I really wanted to have, um, you know, conversation with you about this, because there's so much more potential. Right. If we think about the amphitheater, there are folks from all across Fairfield County and even the state that are coming here. And when they come here, they may stop at a restaurant. Right. They may buy something from a small business and all of that helps to drive the economy. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're running the money. I can't say enough. There was a turning point and it was it was a um, a conversation um, way back when. And <clears throat> give credit where credit's due. The name, which is common currency now um, in the industry, uh, Howard Safan. And of course, Jimmy Coplick, if you know that name, he's been currency, so to speak, in the industry since uh, for decades. And and that combination uh, took a 
took a flyer, if you will, took a chance on um, Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. We had um, another claim, I think a very positive one um, in, in the sports world when we brought in when there was nothing going in the city in, in, in 1998, we were able to, to take down, which was that Singer Sewing Factory, among other, what were at that point now empty, abandoned, um, uh, derelict, don't like to use those words about anything related to Bridgeport, derelict buildings that were demolitioned and were mm-hmm. replaced by a state-of-the-art minor league ballpark. At the time, was was a, was a wow. Mm-hmm. It was one of, the, one of the most exciting things that had happened um, in, in the city, which had had some tired years, tired decades, uh, to put it mildly, um, prior to that, and, and brought new life. And then, of course, the the, um, the arena. And the multiplier factors that you're talking about um, began to produce real positive revenue results at that time mm-hmm. <clears throat> from money coming in from outside the borders of Bridgeport. And so, so it began to have us identified more. And then with the amphitheater, I mean, things just, just we've had... Um, the, I think, clearly credible change of descriptions from taglines or or paragraphs that would describe Bridgeport in completely negative terms to being able to um, say that we are the arts and entertainment capital of Connecticut and we can prove it. And mm. when you have Live Nation and one of the premier entertainment companies in the world saying Yes, that's true. And by the way, just use the amphitheater as a huge driver on that as one engine, one engine among others, mm-hmm. but a huge one, to saying this is their number one venue. Uh, I don't know if he said in the country or wherever. Um, that means not just is it good for us regionally, right. but it's recognized because of what it's the impact it's at. So those dollars go to, yes, restaurants downtown, they, they have positive spinoff. And I think have enhanced the reputation in that way. And part of our job is to make sure that those benefit everyone throughout every neighborhood who may care about going to a show at the amphitheater, many do, or not care not so much because they have other challenges. So our goal is to grasp, embrace, support, enhance, and and, and build on the, the concept because we all know it's an engine, it's a driver, as you pointed out, not just in good feelings, and, and, and but it, it impacts you know, the multiplier effect on dollars, just mm-hmm. literally, and which which it does, I think it drives up overall value. What does that mean? Quality of life, yes, but I also think real um, property values throughout the city, as the city's image brand, um, is is mixed with that type of positive description and an allure to artists who want to come here and live in some of our artists' housing, which we should talk about, be, participate in some of the mural projects that are happening, some know about the studios that are that are um, much more prevalent. And the um, and the um, theaters uh, opportunities like Bijou Next Door and others that we have around the city. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think that it's it's interesting because we're having a conversation now about corporations and you know kind of the private sector, but um, being socially responsible is important, right? And so I've I've built a career in the nonprofit sector by choice because I really believe that there's ways to open up access. Um, not just in Bridgeport, but across Fairfield County, knowing that it is riddled with inequity. Um, And so I think one good measure that came through the pandemic for some more access-driven work was the ARPA dollars that were um, disseminated into communities all across the country. But I think the way that everyone used those dollars were um, 
unique. And Bridgeport was no different in that I think we have very specific needs in this community. Um, and the the way that the ARPA dollars were distributed, particularly in arts and culture, helped drive some of those art access points. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you as an administration went about coming up with a group of people to sure. kind of distribute those dollars and what the benefits were and who the organizations were. It's funny. I bet everybody's listening knows what ARPA dollars are. But let's just for those that few that right. don't, it's federal money. Um, in my lifetime, the largest singular unmatched amount of federal dollars that had been distributed to Bridgeport and cities like Bridgeport um, in amounts that have never been seen before with the, I don't want to say unrestricted, but with the um, allowed discretion to apply these where a community, a city, we call this a community, but we're a city, mm -hmm. um, felt that they could have the greatest impact. So we didn't, we could have done anything. Some mayors talked about filling their budget gaps, you know, because I work with, obviously work with mayors across the country on these things, not only in advocating, but then in how we're applying resources that we collectively are able to um, uh, focus on. Some mayors used them for uh, specific capital projects, uh, particular industries they felt maybe were hit. Mm -hmm. uh, hardest restaurants, you know, were looked at as one member devastated, even though, I mean, not that healthcare, not, but that was one that was looked at where people were going out of business and maybe not come back. And then the residual of that was not only lost jobs, but the loss of a, of a business and, 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 and eatery and so on. But we took um, all those things into account. I believe in many ways, um, focused on those, but added two levels to it. One, as you mentioned, what are we doing about the artist community? How is that part of the social fabric and how we could support that um, both through COVID and beyond? And then two, how do we distribute the largest amount of these funds and put them in the hands of, you mentioned nonprofits, of nonprofits, of organization, community-based groups with a level of accountability mm -hmm. that said, you're going to get these dollars. You need to show us that you know how to handle federal money because you can't make a mistake with federal. I mean, you could make a mistake with federal, but you don't want to. You don't want to, right. <laughs> you don't want to make a mistake at anybody's money, but God, the, lower, the worst one is the federal because they have a, a clawback and payback and, you know, audits and they just become, so you want to make sure you do it right. So with that as a, as a, as a threshold, Show us how you're going to have a metric and impact on quality of life. And the results um, we just talked about this morning in a meeting, these in particular um, and others throughout the city with nonprofits have done a tremendous amount. Not to get into a different topic, but domestic violence, for instance, Center for Family Justice, they're a re recipient. They were able to expand the services they provided to help provide for, for, for safe housing, for uh, domestic abuse, child abuse, sexual abuse mm -hmm. um, in ways that they maybe wouldn't have had definitely would not have had the opportunity to. Um, but in, in enhancing what is good stuff, we see with this program, one of the largest allocations of funding that we've done, um, unmatched in a way, was to allocate, I was just checking the number now, but I think it's about $600,000 that we appropriated, city appropriated, through and with the DSSD, Downtown Special Services District, ARPA, DSSD, but Downtown Special <laughs> Services District for those who um, administered and worked in partnership with the the mural project, led it and produced the results I have in front of me that I know we're going to talk about as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought it was important. The city administration in general, those that work in city government who are signatories on those funds, hundred over $100 million in funds, wanted to make sure they were done right, but that they had an impact. And I, I think the good news is 
based on our conversations and conversations I've had with others now with some 24 months or so of, of ARPA funds in the community, they're having a positive effect, helping us build our quality of life. We're not there yet, but helping us build, stabilize and build, and have any impact on, on, on supporting what we want to, individuals participating in, as they do, and in this case, in arts and entertainment as a quality of life in Bridgeport. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and for those who don't know, ARPA is American Rescue Plan Act. And of course, those federal dollars came via um, the COVID-19 pandemic. One of the things that I um, I find interesting is that art is really <clears throat> a language that can speak to all people, but it's also a convener of people across all types of communities. And, you know, I've been really inspired, not just as an adult in the city, but my artistic journey started when I was much younger. Um, I don't know if you remember the um, Young Authors Program in the Bridgeport Public School District. Happy to say I did win that. Wow. Just times. Just saying. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but it was the moment that I realized like I could be an artist. It was the moment that I realized that I could tell a story. And I will never forget when I was announced the winner and the ceremony would be held at the University of Bridgeport. And as a kid, right, like that was, I can't even explain. Big deal, right? Like that was yeah. the biggest deal. And I will never forget my mom taking off of work and she was sitting in the front row. And like UB at that time was like Yale. And so when I think about the arts and when I think about placemaking and I think about all of the richness that's coming forth from the funding that's come um, through those federal dollars, I think about opportunity. And I think about some of the new programs you mentioned, um, domestic violence initiatives. I've met with a few artists from the Metro Art Studios where they're donating some of their paintings so that local organizations can use them for fundraising. And so I think there's such an interconnectedness. Um, so I just want to say thank you on behalf of some of the artists and creatives in our oh. community for funding a lot of initiatives that I think are still making a positive impact to speak to people, but also to rebuild community coming from the pandemic. Well, I'm glad you said that. And I want to thank uh, DSSD and also want to thank in uh, city government, Bill Coleman, who's taken a personal beyond the call of duty kind of interest in making sure that the mural program, for instance, and other, mm-hmm. all these other initiatives, some of the places we have Knowlton Street and others. Um, but the mural program in particular, I, I think it was in November, um, was able to join with a number of the artists. And, you know, they brought in this the projection screen of the murals around the city. And then to see them flash up and, you know, some type of rotation and look at them all. Like mm-hmm. you're on a page in front of me, as you know. I think you have a copy of this, right? I do. Um, with so many of them. And you look at the quality, the yeah. detail, the quality. And if you know anything about what they're writing, like some of them incorporate PT or the Bridgeport's history or mm-hmm. in industry, you know, in the, uh, the Latin for in, in industry or with industry we strive you know, these were lot, not like, hey, let's paint a, I don't, nothing against a cartoon. This isn't like some type of quick cartoon with a smile and a couple's, you know, eyes that are that are not detailed out and uh, on a face. I mean, they've got some um, incredibly, um, uh, not only appropriate, but just, um, when I say appropriate, I mean, focused on the history of either the city or some of the, the um, unique qualities mm-hmm. of a neighborhood. Correct, yeah. And with that, you see the the a positive emphasis on 
what it is I like to say about this, you know, we're the largest city in Connecticut, the most populated. And we look at this, ooh, bricks and, you know, blacktop and all that and sidewalks and, you know, but we're a, a city in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And everyone has its own kind of unique. And if you take the time to kind of take a closer look, unique and and very, um, I don't want to say just valuable, but just attractive qualities. And then to see them embodied in a in an artist's vision of of capturing some of that and placing it up on a visible place so people in the neighborhood get reinforced in a positive way about their neighborhood. You know, the dollar, we talked about the multiplier effect on dollars, but the multiplier mm-hmm. effect on quality of life of people from the murals, I want to compliment the program, uh, all that are put together and the artists for participating. It makes yeah, a big difference. Yeah, for sure. So what's your favorite mural? I know, you know, I know a, you were going to ask me that. And, and, and so I was going, <laughs> oh, I better go in and pick one. And um, can, I'll, I didn't. I'll give you a pass. You can pick two. Well, you know, <laughs> so I, I, it's hard because just as we said, they're uniquely designed. I guess I'd have to go back and okay. look at the mural in particular, which I started to do, and see which one I think best... Um, pulls and captures and then demonstrates, let's say we do geography, let's talk about a neighborhood or okay. if it's downtown, yeah. which one captures that the best? Because the artist quality, forget about it. You're not going to, you're not going right. to say this is a better art quality than that one. You know, there's yeah. no like Joe Gannam's up there slopping anything on. These are like <laughs> the real deal. And, um, so, so it's hard for me to pick one based on, based on that. Then it becomes personal taste. And on personal taste, I tend to like those that, um, have, uh, I say physical faces or people in them. Okay. Um, I like colors, a lot of colors. Okay. And I'm really a softy for like, there doesn't have to be flowers, but something like, you know, flowery positive, I guess. Okay. But it doesn't mean I don't think it should have sometimes a, a clear, it doesn't have to have a hard message, mm-hmm. but something that has a solid message that isn't just built on, don't I look pretty? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I haven't been able to go through before coming over here and take a look, <laughs> but I know there's a few around the city that I really, uh, when you get off the ramp, I think it's exit two mm-hmm. in downtown to your left. Um, it, it's, that's it, my favorite one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's I mean, my favorite you know. one. I know it's the newest um, or one of the newest ones, but for some reason, the blue is so beautiful. It reminds me it's naturally called Seaside, which makes yeah. sense. But the blue reminds me of Seaside. And when you get close enough, you see so many smaller portraits. But when you're coming off the highway, it looks like one big picture. And you're so talking to me, Narek. I agree 100%. Yeah, I drive around and I look at that and blue. One I went through my closet uh, the other day and I found that I had blue. See, this is blue. Okay. I probably about 10 blues. And someone said to me, oh, you're a blue color that's my favorite color i guess so okay so so yeah so i guess if you're gonna push me if like i had to make a decision <laughs> now you don't have to pick you know it. mayors are you know he's make decisions right or wrong <laughs> i would probably have to say no disrespect that's that's up there that's up there yeah what and is then, it 32 total now yes and then yeah. there's one actually right outside of here that i like because to your point about neighborhoods um i love the detail on this mural that actually points back to Italy and there's a special connection with the restaurant owner. And so Avicello? I love, yes. Oh yeah. I oh, love well, the, just a, he's a form of art in and of himself. It's uh, talk about a personality that will, you know, assuming he's, he, that's just kind of part of Bridgeport's fabric that you want to accentuate. I mean, mm-hmm. we have a lot of great restaurants. I don't want to go cherry picking, but you know, you brought them up and uh, so yes. And then to have the mural on the side, right. That, kind of ties in clearly with so beautiful it's really nice um and so i think that across the um 
the city, we see other murals popping up. So I do want to give a big shout out to Lauren Coakley Vincent. I know that she has been on Spotlight of Arts and Culture previously. Um, and so the, the murals are, I think, a really fantastic way to invite artists into Bridgeport um, and to really get a sense of our community and get a sense of the culture here and then to um, reimagine that through art. But I also think that a lot of the muraling downtown is... Um, connected to other murals. So I live in Black Rock. I know, you know, you're familiar with Black Rock and there are murals there. So I really just appreciate the the through line that muraling has across the city. And um, I'm excited when people who are not from Bridgeport talk about the murals and they talk about coming here specifically to walk through the path. Um, I know for the Bridgeport Art Trail, there are tons of Bridgeport residents that participate, but this year there are many who are not from Bridgeport. Kudos to Bridgeport Art Trails yes. too, and and to uh, as you said, DSSD too. Yeah, they're they're bringing a, a, a refreshment, I think, to the city. And I was actually on a tour that Lauren facilitated during the Art Trail, and there were women next to me who weren't from Bridgeport, and they said that they had come to the city specifically for that tour. Um, and they were really excited about bringing other people. So I think that that speaks to tourism. What are your thoughts it on, does. on that? It speaks to tourism. Um, it speaks to um, attracting, uh, I think, in a more permanent way than tourism, to artists to move and to live into the city um, as well. On the um, on the tourism thing for a minute, though. By, by the way, back to the one in Black Rock, the one at Hub and Spoke on the sides, the simple bicycle. You know which one I'm talking about? I do. The black, narrowly drawn with against the white backdrop. Yes. Um, is it different? You know, that's like for that spot is really cool because you're driving by. You don't, you don't want somebody turning the head when they're making that right on 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 that's red because I think or I think it's hopefully you can make right on red there because I'm you can, done it. You can. All right, <laughs> um, but you know it's just kind of like a quick look. It's not like downtown where you're like, whoa, I need to let me just stop. I, you really can't take a passing look at some of the more detailed um, murals. So that's a good one there. On um, I do want to say though, and I'll get to tourism. On the attractiveness and the enhancement of uh, quality of life as a result of more artists being residents or participating. Um, years back, one of the first steps we took, which I, I think is going to be noted somewhere in this conversation, but it should be, was the, the Reeds building. So mm-hmm. when I was mayor long ago, the concept came in. It was a group, it was a nonprofit group from like Minnesota, and they wanted to start artist housing. I said, What is that? Mm-hmm. And they said, no, this is what it's going to be. It's, you know, it's, it, you have to be a legit artist, right? You have to like show your work to get a place there. But this cool old building, which used to be a Reed's department store, talk about Bridgeport's history, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody even knows, if you're not my age, what Reed's was, or mm-hmm. I don't think they're around anymore. Um, and and allowed it to be the first kind of artist housing um, of that size. And, and it's maintained itself for it's almost three decades now. That was just one little thing that was done. The theaters, we've always had um, the, the grace and beauty of a number of, of, of theaters, you know, Cabaret, Bijou. Hopefully we can get further along. I'm still in, in favor of restoring um, the, the gigantic uh, commitment would need to be made for the Poli and Majestic theaters Good, because yeah. of the historic beauty. we got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an anchor. I always looked at that as the north Main Street versus, you know, Amphitheater Arena, South Main Street, bookends, if you will, right. on what would be an entertainment district on Main Street in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. That would be, you know, a couple of the anchors um, and and be able to kind of see that thrive even more. 
Um, on tourism, absolutely. I think the biggest driver of tourism beyond the uh, arena, beyond the ballpark that was there before, um, beyond many of the other things that we have, is the amphitheater. The numbers are off the charts, mm-hmm. but the number of the number of, of events they have of all different types of music that attracts people from within the city, certain acts, more from inside Bridgeport, or different acts that attract people from a greater distance to participate in tourism. They say the multiplier fact on a dollar, um, a spending on something like that or in general is eight to one. So what does that mean? That someone else, a dollar that gets put into, into service there impacts restaurants, impacts this, or diff- different things in the city? I don't know, but it's all very positive. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and back to the other residents of the city or the residents of the city that not real excited about arts and entertainment because everybody doesn't have to like the same thing. That's the beauty. That's what arts is, right? Right, exactly. It's subjective. It's personal. It's what I like. Exactly. You like blue. I like I like blue. Maybe you like, you know, different. It could be as simple as that. Um, we get revenue. I want people to know these decisions are not made, um, but they're all revenue driven because the city services that we provide mm-hmm. to tens of thousands, 150,000 in some form or another residents of the city. So we get revenue off of this. We get money back on tickets. We get money off of parking. And when we apply that, hopefully, to not only keep taxes down, but to support the services, the health department services that are provided, hopefully um, everything to launch initiatives on affordable housing, to support the police department, the fire department, and all the things that are that are critical um, to supporting that that fiber or, or fabric, if you will, a social fabric that allows us to enhance our commitment to uh, arts and entertainment. I agree. Um, and I think that it's important, to your point, to um, encourage residents to think about art and culture as a conduit for greater good. Um, and there's other industries that do that. And and so um, as an advocate of the arts, but also as a leader of an arts institution, that's a lot of the value that I hope to bring to other municipalities and encouraging these types of conversations. Art does good. Um, and if we can spotlight that, um, no pun intended on the name of this show, <laughs> um, it would be a great value add for a lot of artists in the community. It would be a great value add for um, amplifying their initiatives and helping to also put position them to to work across the county to continue to do greater good individually that has a much larger um, impact. But if you're just joining us, I'm Erica Wesley, the executive director of the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, and we are in the January 2024 edition of Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM, and I have the pleasure of talking with Mayor Joe Gannam from the city of Bridgeport. Um, So we talked a little bit about Reed's art space, and I'm glad that you touched upon that. And I recently learned that Bridgeport was awarded um, almost a million dollar loan from the state for cleanup activities. And um, that includes the adaptive use of existing historical buildings that will be repurposed and reused for housing and also a restaurant and some other amazing things. But I'm personally interested in the 77 artist lofts that um, will be a part of this new initiative. So I want to know from you, how do you think housing connects to the future of the city? How do you imagine or kind of, what are even your your hopes for the types of folks that can come and move into Bridgeport with these artist lofts, but also with other um, other modes of housing that have... Yeah, I was just checking the location. So that is the, um, and I think that that money is targeted towards the um, what we know is the old 
phone company, Southern Connecticut uh, phone company building in downtown, um, which from your numbers I think goes a long way to um, seeing the type of reuse that we'd like to see on that site. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the numbers I have are uh, mixed-use development. Mm-hmm. And includes 77, as you mentioned, artist lofts, eight units set aside for affordable housing, which is one of the topics in the question, mm-hmm. two restaurants with gallery space and an electrical vehicle charging station, which is cool because mm-hmm. we want to be environmentally conscious. Okay. Uh, we want to work on a plan, by the way, that, and artists, if you're listening, if you're on board, we want to be one of those cities, even though we're an old industrial northeast city. That has a goal for, you know, to reduce our carbon footprint, of course, ultimately to zero. But how close can we get by when Mm -hmm. is a goal. So I think that that element, we want to build that out as well. Quality of life. Um, And, um, you know, the important parts of this, I think, is what you said for this conversation. Um, The 77 artist lofts. um, I don't know how that stacks up against what else we have in the city, reads included. But it's a huge number. Mm-hmm. Um, for opportunity for artist lofts. And that location is kind of a cool location, yeah. if you think about it, for um, for artist housing. Because of where it's proximity to the, to the highway, I know that sounds awkward, but we looked at the same concept when we did the ballpark. That location was picked particularly, and it has the highway on one side, it has the, the train on the other side, I'm talking about the ballpark, mm-hmm, for instance, mm-hmm. and the ferry dock going out, and you can see over to the water. And so those elements added to the, the ambiance, I don't really like that word, but ambiance mm-hmm. of that when it was the ballpark, and, and still does, um, as a location for um, the outdoor amphitheater. So the cool thing about the, we call it the phone company building for us that are old, um, it has all that. Mm-hmm. It's it's conveniently located, and I think artists. I don't know about those upper floor on the lower floors, but the upper floors you got to be able to see out. That's a cool view. Yeah. If you've ever been in one of the taller buildings in Bridgeport, and unfortunately there's not more of them, the view is just those views are cool looking out mm-hmm. over the high wind and into the water, um, in that direction, and even overlooking the east side of the city. When I used to live downtown at eleven fifteen Main Street, I was on the eighth floor. Looking out is the former dog. Looking out that way towards the mm-hmm. hospital is really cool. So we have great views. So you're going to have that maybe inspirationally. Maybe we'll get some landscape artists, mm-hmm. uh, drawings, renderings, whatever. Those buildings are visible enough so that there could be something. I don't own the buildings, but it'd be nice to have something on that. I would encourage it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, on that way. It's very close, by the way. And I want somebody to take ownership of this to uh, Under the Bridge on John Street. Do you know anything about Under the Bridge? Mm-hmm. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. And um, April who um, will leave her last name off, but she's just like the, she's down there all the time. We need to, we need artist renderings on that, even if it's just a nice home background for the feeding that goes on there weekly to individuals that need food, mm-hmm. among other things. Clothes are distributed and so on. It's not official. They don't do anything official, but every organization, church organizations, out of town come in and help uh, those that have the greatest need to show up for, for a hot meal, maybe, maybe soup in the winter, as they tell me. And, um, and clothing or whatever. And uh, you know, I've been down there recently and in the past, and the, the need is great. But I told her, I said, let's paint this. It's peeling right now. Mm-hmm. The, let's paint it. Let's let's get it. And I think our public facilities is working with um, the mural. Tia's t- uh, uh, nodding your head because sometimes I ask for this stuff and nobody does it. <laughs> but it sounds like we're moving ahead with that. So Good. even if we just get it to a soft, kind of comfortable mural down there, it would make a really strong statement about our commitment in addition to funding, in addition to trying to help the people have the greatest needs in our city, you know, but for, as I say, it goes, but for 
you know, the grace of God go uh, the rest of us. Yeah. You know, there's people that are that are passing through. That they'll it'll not only will the services be there because of April and so many others, but they'll see a strong support um, as part of being a part of Bridgeport. So that's pretty close to that building. I think so. so. I think that's a great idea. So, artists, if you're listening, um, it sounds like the mayor would like to see some some beautiful artwork in that vicinity. And I think that that's a, a good um, connection to those artist lofts. Um, you know, when I think about where that building is located, I think it's going to be a fantastic home to any artist. Yes, for the inspiration. Um, we can think of like where we are at WPKN, not too far around the corner. So yep. there'll be that level of connectivity. There's some art galleries in this building as well. And so I just wonder what this particular micro community can experience. We also have the Bijou Theater. So artists can be inspired. But then I also think that that gallery likely will receive some good foot traffic, um, which, of course, will do do really positive things. So are we able to throw out ideas because something I'd like to see. We, you can throw out any so, idea. So, and we're there now. We've got to the critical mass. We've got 30-plus um, murals. I mean, highly intense, cool, like real-deal murals around the city. And, you know, we need to maintain that. And, and I don't even think about if anybody would, you know, you get graffiti and stuff like that. But put that aside because we've been lucky. They've gotten the respect, and we'll, we'll work with we'll make sure they do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they strategically play some of them at very heights and so on. But I've always thought that the underpasses in general, railway, and we've tried to do this in the past. You need special paint. You need special permission and all that. But that's bureaucracy, and we just need to fight through it. But all the underpasses create that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, some of we painted, just kind of cleaned them up, and they have a, you know that soft gray on them. Um, others have white on them. Uh, very few have anything. I'd like to see that utilization, uh, those locations, along with other possible locations for even artists' participation in directional signs throughout the city. Okay. Because years back when we put the, the, the street signs in and even some of the downtown signs that you see when you come off the, we copied them from Norwalk, I hate to admit that, but our <laughs> blue signs copied their green signs. Blue again, right? Mm-hmm. Canon blue. Um, but um, I'd love to see artists think about, maybe we could talk to um, uh, talk to DSSD and others, of even directional you know, they could be oversized directional signs with some artsy stuff on them. They got to be clearly readable right. so that people can utilize them. They enjoy the art, but really u- they'd be utilized. And I found and find that that gets people to UB. That gets people to the amphitheater. Mm-hmm. Um, that will get people even, you know, maybe a little more serious uh, description to the hospitals. Um, you know, what's wrong with that? You know, where the opportunities provide. If we have public space, we use public space. Sometimes private people, if they have a building, they don't, they like that artwork on their on their private building. We know that already because we right. do it. Right. But think about that, the theme, concept, color, whatever it is. Some theme carries through and you know your eye starts to pick up, oh, that's a directional sign. Am I heading in the right direction? Am I going to get to, God forbid, Bridgeport Hospital? God forbid, but you know, mm-hmm. you have to go to Bridgeport Hospital for a reason. Or, I don't know, the highways. So so that's an opportunity to like spread a lot of smaller, but theme-wise, um, directional signs. It's just an idea. And it may be a bad idea. Somebody became an artist. Oh, Mayor, that doesn't work. You really can't do it. And that's okay. But that was an idea I've had. I've seen some of it in the South End. We've got away with some of it in the South End with, with colors under the um, underpasses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of striped, UB striped, and you know, the, the purple and so yeah. on. But we weren't able to get much more done than that. That was okay. way back. I say way back. Before these 30 <laughs> Before were these painted. Well, I think that's interesting. And I'd like to plant a seed of, of thought and consideration to you um, because one of the things that comes up a lot with muraling, and this is not just with Bridgeport, but I think in many of the other cities that I've been um, able to connect with, is that young people, because muraling 
often is such an expensive process, right? Like getting the paint. Um, if you're commissioned to mural, you kind of have to have resource. And so for some young people, that's a, a point of um, strain for them. So one consideration, I think, to accomplish this particular goal is to figure out, like, how can we um, allow young people into that process? And maybe how can we, even our organization, help support young people and their budding interest in being an artist to be a part of whatever that um, opportunity is so that there's a little bit of equitability there. There, you know, for young people, but also so that we're creating the future generation of artists. I mean, shout out to everyone that's making art right now. But I think about like my daughter's generation. I would love for her to grow up in a world where like she knows she can be a part of the future um, artistic uh, community here in Bridgeport. So absolutely. So when I was at the uh, Bijou for the gathering and display of the murals, uh, one of the women there, and I don't, I don't think she was the artist. Um, she's on one. She's actually on the Fair Rent Commission now. Um, her daughter had art. Uh, it wasn't displayed in the city's mural, but she was an artist nonetheless. She showed me her art. Um, and we do something every constantly, I say every year, but constantly with the Kennedy Collection from the Kennedy Center. Mm-hmm. We have so many wonderful artists. And uh, one particular one was a, a young woman who asked if she could, I don't know if she asked me or asked her at one of the events if she could paint a picture. Um, and so we gave her a picture of a steel point or at least a waterfront of steel point. Mm-hmm. And it's hanging in the conference room in the mayor's office now. Nice. But even something like that, now she couldn't go on the side of a building and paint it probably. But I don't know if it's appropriate for somebody to replicate that concept of her art. Let's say hers, doesn't have to be hers, but mm-hmm. something like that, um, even into some of the murals. I will say, if you don't mind me saying, I do think, and I don't think we're anywhere near it, I think the the, stra- the we're at the point where it'd be nice if we're going to go to the next level. It doesn't have to be the directional art or to continue, you know, go um, that we the strategic plan if there is one that recognizes. I think the concepts that most people agree on because I see it happening, which I've kind of either shared, articulated, or thought of neighborhood based, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, the top quality. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that was intentional, but how do, you, how do we end up with these top quality artists? I mean, these are, it's fantastic. But to keep, since that's the, that's kind of the, the baseline now, we've got mm-hmm. like great mural art. We keep that going and, and enhance it throughout the city and get young people involved um, in a way that you, whether we support the costs for materials, as was kind of hinted in your question, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's great. Again, through an organization, through you know, through through a structure or, or whatever Absolutely. the plan is. Yeah, I think that would be great. And the young people, by the way, think about it. Now, if you're an artist, mm-hmm. okay, let's just, we're a person. So you, you just, you know, if, you, if you're into producing something you want people to admire, you get it up there, it makes you feel good, right? Let's face it. I don't care if you get paid for it. It makes you feel good. Right, Imagine exactly. how it would make a young person feel to have some of their art displayed in a public place. Like, what? talk about building... The um the confidence level of I can like you just said when you when you won number one prize for your literary how did that make you I mean it just launched a career I think it Mm -hmm. was part of launching Mm -hmm. your career so think about how you know that's part of the multiplier effect of improving quality of life in this case for young people in the city so you got I mean yes whatever Mm -hmm. if if it was a question that required a yes or no answer yes absolutely let's figure it out and add it add it to what's going on here. Yeah, I think it increases that sense of belonging, right? You know, a lot of my favorite poets are from Chicago, for example. And, you know, they're creating 
based on a sense of belonging, a sense of pride that they have in their community. And so many of them talk about staying home, even though they have the option to move into other spaces because of that confidence, because of that connectivity that they have to where they're from. Um, And so I would love to see more young people feeling that about Bridgeport. And so I think for my organization, for the city, for other groups, the more we can bring in young people into the work that we're doing, I think the more we can foster those positive emotions um, and give people, young people, a joy that um, they should and deserve to feel when they think about where they're from so that when they go forth beyond the borders of Bridgeport, um, they're beaming and and they're able to talk about the positivity in the city, but also talk about their involvement um, in that. So I'm excited and I think we'll hopefully we'll be able to accomplish. Yeah, something and, and you know, there. I just had a nice um, informal sit down with the new superintendent of schools who um, uh, has been so supportive of all the positive initiatives in the city and has a vision. And if this is going to involve maybe an element that includes the board of education or high schools or whatever level it is, I'm sure there'd be a wide open um, receptivity to that um, as well. So um, I'm just thinking of ways in which to implement. Yeah, uh, for sure. Strategic planning on implementing, but maybe there's some ideas that the art, the art community has in themselves on how to get some of the young people, but the Kennedy center is one. Most of those are younger, but they're not all the schools. I know create you know, support, uh, support, for arts um, in some ways. Um, so this would be something that would let them, as you say, you said, I think, uh, um, a word, I think it gives them ownership as well mm-hmm. of their of their, um, of their their city, of their neighborhood. Like, hey, I, play, I got something here, you know? Look at that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a part of this thing. So that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so for our listeners, the um, the Kennedy Center has rebranded to the Kennedy Collective, but they do absolutely hold um, different exhibitions. So if you have not attended one, there is fantastic art there and I highly recommend. And also the Maggie Daly Arts Cooperative um, in downtown Bridgeport also specializes in young special needs adults and um, does a lot of great work there with a creative creator studio. So to pivot really quickly, um, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about collaboration. So in my role, I I kind of view convening as one of the levers that we pull on to be successful as an organization. We convene artists, we convene art institutions, and really bring people together into either a networking opportunity or a community of practice to enhance their understanding of arts and culture, but also to strengthen their uh, capacity so that they can do more, right? Because I think that that's, yep. that's part of the goal. But then the other thing that we do and, and something that's a major tenet of our work is partnerships. And we as a countywide membership organization of over 600 members, we believe that partnerships is the pathway forward, that the more people and organizations come together for that connection, the the more we can perform the more we can do, the greater our impact. And so we rest on that work. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about partnerships. We know that um, some municipalities are still trying to figure out how to engage with arts and culture. So what's your positioning on partnerships, particularly with like residents, right? Like a resident artist, an everyday person. And then we can zoom out a little bit and maybe talk about nonprofits. Well, the big ones we've talked about so far, I mean, the big launch, what we're seeing now as a result of, of what Karen, you mentioned, 
uh, a strong partnership with the DSSD and the city. Mm-hmm. City funding in part, uh, DSSD, I mean, just demonstrating how to take a project and move it forward. I've struggled as mayor trying to get the mural project um, moved forward, seeing some of the initial steps, uh, uh, you know, away from the house, in addition to housing, just some of the mural work we see downtown, which is, I mean, uh, well, downtown, but at uh, in the south end as well. But I think more, more directly to the answer is, um, and, and we put it down here too, with the NRZs, okay. uh, neighborhood, re- and again, acronyms, so neighborhood <laughs> revitalization zones, mm-hmm. but they're groups of neighbors, just people from the neighborhood. You don't have to have a title. Matter of fact, title doesn't matter if you're mm-hmm. part of the NRZ. It's just who's ever picked to be the kind of, the group and the individual who um, should head up the NRZs, neighborhood revitalization zones. And um, I was at the uh, NRZ in the east side uh, two weeks ago, and one of the presentations was we're doing, uh, um, uh, there's some money going to uh, pedestrian safety with raised um, and defined walkways at intersections, which are critically important, as we know. Possibility, raise the topic of speed bumps just to get into quality of life. But the mural project and how one of the artists was there, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he presented and said, look, we want to do mu- more murals nice. um, in this. How do we collaborate with the uh, NRZ? Mm-hmm. And then, in instance, uh, cities developed citywide mural initiative with BEDCO. Oh, my goodness, another acronym, right? <laughs> Bridgeport Economic Development uh, Company. I guess it's really what it's called because it was set up as an, a 501c3 to help us with development projects. Um, they're a great arm. It's Ed, Ed Lavinovich, who used to be a deputy director, uh, served when I was mayor um, of economic development and um, does a great job leading BEDCO, again, okay. Bridgeport Economic Development Corporation, um, which is in partnership already. And they've started already meeting um, with community groups, as I said, the NRZ and elsewhere. So that's one way. I think um, the, the, the great thing about a program like this, or I call it a program, the mural program, uh, is... I'd say, I like to say it sees for itself, but it speaks for itself because you drive around the city and you see the results. So it's, it, it, hopefully people, we might even be able to say, might even be able to say on some of these, if you blah, 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 you know, um, with a, a tagline is to reach out to uh, Bedco, reach out to um, DSSD, or here's the email for um, if you want to participate in our mural program. Right on the murals because people are looking and admire them. Mm-hmm. as one idea, and that's just off the top of my head. But financial support, our commitment that we've made, substantial, um, needs to continue. And then have it focus, as you've mentioned, whether it's in areas of uh, encouraging, I don't know what the priorities are. Is it young people to get involved as part of it? Uh, is it the those type of things? Is it, is, it, is it part of the strategic plan, enhancing the strategic plan that seems to be being implemented now mm-hmm. with the outreach? Um, so I, I, I like what's going on. Um, again, I go back to mine when I went to, I went to Philly, Philadelphia and saw some of their great art renderings in, in their murals. And that's when I came back and started pounding the table more that we need to do more, need to do more, need to do more. So, um, I guess I'm saying is outside influences. Let's look at what other communities have done. Other cities, our size are bigger. Let's compare how we think we're doing compared to them. I think we're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you always steal ideas. It's called best practices. I mean, that's what mayors and businesses call it. You take people's best practices. You steal them. You replicate <laughs> them. It's the greatest form of flattery. But mm-hmm. if it's proven their quality of life or helping them get to the next step in launching a, an enhancement project um, like we're doing in Bridgeport, then we do that. You know, it's appropriate. 
So we are about five minutes out and wrapping up our show, which is wild because I feel like this is the fastest interview I've done. Hi there, this is Kevin, host of Digging in the Dirt. On my next show, my guests from the Norwalk Maritime Aquarium, Project Oceanology, and Save the Sound discuss how abandoned so-called ghost lobster traps have become an ecological issue and what's being done about it. That's later today at 5 p.m. on Digging in the Dirt, right here on listener-supported WPKN. This is Hazel Kahn inviting you to tune into Tidings on Wednesday when psychoanalytic psychologist Maya Lasker-Wolfish, daughter of a Holocaust survivor, will talk about how trauma is transmitted from one generation to the next. Wednesday, 6.30 a.m. and 8 p.m. Please join us if you can. Thank you. Hi, this is Casey Ryan. I've been a WPKN listener, volunteer, and sometimes even a programmer for almost 30 years. Yeah, I really do love this quirky little radio station, which is why for several years now, I've also been a sustaining supporter. Each month, I automatically contribute an amount I chose, an amount I hardly miss, but that really helps when it comes to paying WPKN's bills. Every time I listen to WPKN and I hear that reminder about it being listener-supported, I think, hey, I'm one of those listeners who are supporting it. Yay, me. Now I'm asking you to consider joining me. Just go to our website, WPKN.org, and tap the Donate button. It's a simple process to become a monthly sustaining WPKN supporter. And trust me, it feels so good to be one. Is trading in your car more hassle than it's worth? Then choose a real alternative. Donating your car to WPKN. Avoid the blue book blues and the dealer drama and contribute to the diverse universe that is your WPKN. You'll get a sweet tax deduction and will feel that WPKN pride while you're out in your new ride. Donating is easy. Call 877-WPKN-CAR. 877-WPKN-CAR. Or go straight to our website, WPKN.org, and follow the step-by-step instructions. Moving with Hope has served the public by providing affordable, year-round access to post-acute physical, speech, emotional, and cognitive recovery therapies for people with moderate to severe brain, spinal, and orthopedic injury and illness. Moving with Hope is located in Shelton, Connecticut, and serves all of Connecticut. More information about Moving with Hope is available at www.movingwithhope.org or at 203-513-8424. Every nine seconds, a woman, man, or child is the victim of domestic violence. One in four women will experience a sexual assault in her lifetime. That number for men is one in six, and we are here to help. Hi, I'm Deborah Greenwood, President and CEO of the Center for Family Justice. Our job is to help all victims of domestic and sexual violence become survivors. And all of our services are free, 
confidential, and offered in one safe place. Here, crisis counselors, police, and prosecutors and advocates work as a team to help victims of domestic and sexual violence. For more information, call us at 888-774-2900. I'm Jeannie Burris of Near and Far Aid. We are an all-volunteer organization targeting poverty and changing lives right here in Fairfield County. Please visit our website at www.nearandfaraid.org to find out how you can help. <laughs> so I said to her, you know, it's, it's like, like apples and oranges, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, and what's wrong? Oh, no. What do you think it is? Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Come here. Look, I think, it's, I think it's your radio, your car radio. Look, let me change your radio station to 89.5 FM, WPKN in Bridgeport. Yeah, go ahead, try it now, see what happens. Go ahead. <laughs> see? 